Welcome back to the Swift Legacy Podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift. Hey guys, today we are finally going to talk about Sweet Tea and God's Graces, which is maybe one of the most well-known unreleased songs within the fandom. So this song was written by Taylor Swift, as well as Liz Rose, who we all know and love, and Brian Maher in early 2005. We have both an acoustic work tape and a studio demo. I don't know if I have the acoustic work tape. I've got the acoustic work tape. Can you send me them? Yeah, please? the acoustic work tape is really cute because she messes up the lyrics. But I'm I'm gonna have to check on my phone now because I have forgotten. I must. I think I've lost my acoustic work tape a bit. I'll send you the acoustic work tape if I can find you it. You are an angel. Thank I you. know. I'm a bit jealous that you've got yours all like organized now. I actually want to put them all into albums, like make my own pre-baby albums. I was thinking albums. about doing that too. I think we should do episodes on it. We should, like, make our own little mini album. Okay, so as much as we do refer to this song as a fandom in general as Sweet Tea and God's Graces, technically I think it's called What I Learned From You because it was included on a demo CD with some other artists, including Nathan Chapman's wife back in, I can't remember, I think it was like 2005. On the track list, it was listed as What I Learned From You. And that would make sense considering that is kind of the hook at the end of the chorus but I don't know I just I still lean towards sweet tea and God's graces because I feel like that's just what we've always known it as I just it feels like a better song title I feel thumbs up the song more yeah it feels like a more Taylor song title as well definitely like what I learned from you feels too obvious so Molly would you like to do your stellar Steve impression and tell us what the inner circle say about this song my Stephen Passion is dire, but Steve says, and you know what? I actually, I hate to say it, but I agree with him on all of this. So Steve says, a standout track with the potential to be a lead single from an album. How long will it be until the massive potential of this song is unleashed? Imagine laying in the grass, looking up at the clouds with a sweet scent of honeysuckle in the air. And you know what, Steve? I love this song to death. So I can't, I can't fault it. You're not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I really, I like to roast Steve, you know that. And the last sentence is a bit weird, but no, I I have to say I agree. This song could so easily have been the lead single of debut. I think this song would have fit so nicely on debut. It truly would have. I feel like if we could just get rid of something like... Perfectly Good Heart. Yeah, Perfectly Good Heart. Maybe Invisible. I feel bad about Invisible because I know that's a Rio song and we love Rio, but you know. I feel like Invisible is one of those songs where I feel like there are too many songs on debut that have the same. I don't know why Invisible and A Perfectly Good Heart on the Outside to me all merge into one song. No, A Place in This World, The Outside and Invisible all merge into one song for me. I get what you mean. And I feel like any one of those could be replaced with something different I see what you mean but if anyone touches the outside I am coming I know how you feel about the outside it's just the outside is my baby it's my child I haven't listened to debut in so long you know I actually I feel like I'm gonna go away and listen to it now but I agree I just think 
that Sweet Tea and God's Graces should have been on the debut album. And like, I'm not, I'm not even just saying that because we we like the unreleased songs. Like we say about so many things, this would have fit on the debut album, blah, blah, blah. This truly would have, and it, it should just, have. Yeah. And it, it could have been in place of Tim McGraw. The lead yeah, singer. genuinely. Like it's think, that strong. I do think putting Tim McGraw as the lead singer was such a good marketing move. Like it's very clever. So I do understand why she did it, but Sweet Tea and God's Graces is very, I feel like the, the lyrics are better. Lyrically, it's a stronger song than Tim McGraw. Or it kind of reminds me. too. Yeah, it is. And I love Tim McGraw. It's probably, in terms of lead singles, one of my favourites. Yeah, mine too. I think it's one of the best lead singles she's ever done. I don't agree with her lead single choice a lot of the time. In terms of what represents the album most, I kind of understand the, the reasoning behind them. Yeah, she definitely, she knows what she's doing commercially, but it doesn't represent yeah. the project as a whole generally. Yeah. So basically the storyline of this is Taylor recounting a summer. I mean, I would say summer, but then the second verse does say autumn rain. So it it recounts a period of time spent with this person and this relationship that they've had and how she was learning that small things can make you happy. Sorry. Am I, am I saying that right? I don't know. No, no, I get what you're saying. I think with the context that, okay, we don't know it's a Drew song, but it's a Drew song. It's a Drew song, 100%. Yeah. With the context that they broke up when he went off to college, like it is about a summer, that first verse. And that second one is saying autumn rain, window pane, looking how the leaves change, like when he leaves. Just like the two of us. Yeah. You've got your laugh, your ghost, your jacket. Guess I, guess I loved you way too much. I feel like we say this about a lot of songs, but this is like the other side of the coin to Tim McGraw. Yeah. Like it it literally, it's the same song from a different perspective. I actually really, really love the Drew songs. They're very kind of nostalgic and sweet because the relationship didn't end on a sour note. Exactly. And like a lot of people associate particularly, and I know it's such a like, like everyone talks about how it's not true. And like Taylor only writes about breakups and like, she's only she's so scathing about her exes and stuff like that and all the Drew songs just aren't that at all like it's very much like it was what it was like it was great we ended on mutual terms still got a lot of love for you like that kind of thing it's such a different perspective than something like Picture to Burn definitely and I think it kind of shows her versatility or not versatility but the fact that she doesn't write scathing songs for the sake of it I mean, like, she, she she writes a great scathing song. She she does. And like, if someone is an asshole to her, she will, she will write a song like that. But my point is, if someone's not an asshole to her, she writes a nice, sweet song like this in Tim McGraw. Yeah. So it depends on how you treat her as to what song she writes about you. And I think that's what the media misses a lot of the time. It is the kind of, it's... How do I even phrase this? It's the experience, like you grow up and you have different experiences with love and you have guys that you break up with mutually and you have guys who break your heart. And like, that's just normal. It's so much, if you look at her like debut, fearless, unreleased stuff, speak now to some extent, but you're thinking about the time when she was a teenager. Like it's so much, everyone goes through it and everyone has all those different experiences. But for some reason, everyone hones in on the ones that she had because she writes about them. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, she like she dated so many guys, she broke up with so many guys, whatever. I'm like, she was 16, 17, 18. Like, Doesn't it's everyone? It's, 
it's relatable. And that's why she was so successful at first, because people could relate to her. So let's talk about why it didn't make the album, because honestly, I'm stumped. Yeah. (laughs) Tim McGraw, maybe too similar to Tim McGraw. I mean, does it follow essentially the same premise as Tim McGraw? Yes. But I feel like it's from a different perspective. But I don't I don't know, because they're both nostalgic in a positive way. Tim McGraw is more sad, but it's not sad per se, because it's it's still looking back on happy memories. But I feel like I don't know. I do think she probably dropped it in favor of Tim McGraw if it was ever in the line to go on or kind of in the running to go on that first album. I know what you're saying. They're the same, they're about the same situation, but they are slightly different perspectives on it. I think it's the same imagery. It is very, very much the same imagery. I can also see it sharing imagery in a way with $10 in a six pack. Really? In in a in a way. Like when I listen to this song. You know the Tim McGraw music video? The yeah. grass, the barns, yeah. the burnt orange top and the blue sky and the trees. Yeah. That's what I see when I hear Tim McGraw. That's what I see when I hear this. And to an extent, it's what I see when I hear $10 in a six pack because I ver- it's very much like small town, very country, you know? Like I feel in an alternate universe, Sweet Tea and God's Graces and $10 in a six pack would be on the same album they were written by the same three writers so true I feel like that does make sense like I'm absolutely not saying they're about the same situation whatsoever but in my brain aesthetically they kind of sit next to each other you know what Taylor Liz and Brian also wrote Mary's song and I feel like that yes that has the same imagery the one that's the um not the red herring but the one that sticks out like a sock is who I've always been like that's so different but in a way it's also very very country yeah but it's a different type of country yeah it's a different type of country but it's still when it boils down to it very country and the three of them writing together always gives you a very country very country song and I really love that I actually love that team of writers. We need more of that. I want I want them back. Yeah. Them back. I know we go on and on about Liz Rose, but she really is a genius. She's incredible. Like Liz Rose is my hero. And I know she's spoken before about feeling like she didn't really write with Taylor. She was her editor and like Taylor did all the kind of the hard work and the writing. But I feel like she did such a good job kind of, like you look at songs that Taylor wrote around this kind of time period as solo rights and I'm not saying they were bad songs not at all like they were brilliant songs but you can tell when there's been professional in the room kind of picking out the good parts and like helping her arrange it to just as like a little bit of help if that makes sense yeah because so much of it is a second opinion and kind of speaking from experience as like a hobbyist songwriter if you're writing with someone else you you don't throw out crap lines and just be like you know what I can't be bothered to change that. That's going to be fine for now. Yeah. Like you're when you're working with someone else, you're pushed to write a better song. And I think with Liz Rose, that's what happened with Taylor. Like she was pushed to be the best that she could be. And Liz was a really good editor and probably really honest with her about what she was writing. And I think that just yielded some amazing songs. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, so we are shocked that it didn't make the original album, but with the re-recordings, courtesy of Scooter Braun. <laughs> did you see what he said? I did see what he said in that interview. Fucking. Interesting. Yeah. Will it be on the vault? Because I am saying I need it. I am so torn because I think it should have been on debut. But when I think about the vault, I don't know. Oh, maybe she would. I just don't know if she'd put a song titled Sweet Tea and God's Graces on the vault. Because of the religious aspect? Yeah. And I know she's still Christian, not necessarily like devout Catholic Christian, but like maybe if she called it What I Learned From You. I mean, that's originally what the supposed title was. Exactly. We've kind of just assigned it Sweet Tea and God's Graces as a fandom. I would love to see it on the vault. When I picture the vault, I've never kind of specifically thought of this one to go on because it's, I probably wouldn't list it in my favorites. I mean, it's an incredible song and I adore it. And when I do listen to it, I'm like immediately like, yes, this is amazing. But I think that, I don't know, there are other ones I would like to see. And like like you said, I feel that this should have been on the original one. It's not so much an addition, like it should yeah. be not of the proper album yeah I get that and I feel like you look at all the vault songs for Fearless and Red and they feel like oh I can see why that didn't quite fit on even for an album like Red that is so eclectic and it sounds and it's I mean even its genres it's a country pop album and there are so so many songs on there that are pure country or pure pop you can kind of see even then you can see why the vault ones didn't quite go on the album and the fearless ones, they don't quite fit on the album. This one just doesn't fall in the, into that category. Like it, it fits on debut. It doesn't feel like it should be a vault song. No, I agree completely. Weird one. Okay, so a couple of days ago, I put out a question on our Instagram asking people what they wanted to hear us talk about with this song. And someone has asked what our thoughts are on the religious themes of the song. I honestly feel like it doesn't, despite the, I say, despite the title in quotation marks, because the title Sweet Tea and God's Graces is probably not the title, as we've just discussed. I don't think it's actually that religious. I suppose the only religious part is you can get by with Sweet Tea and God's Graces and then Sweet Tea and Jesus. Sweet Tea and Jesus. I feel, yeah, you're right. The, the rest the of it. Reason, like- the reason that it's perceived as kind of religious is because of the assigned title which isn't actually the title <laughs> like I get it weird to think about but like she's mentioned religion in songs before definitely and I mean and even recently in soon you'll get better like yeah. desperate people find faith so now I pray to Jesus too and you don't call that a religious song so I feel like and I understand the context God. of that is a bit different but yeah it just isn't I don't think it's a very religious song like it's not like um oh shit Christmas must be something more (laughs) oh my god please don't bring Christmas must be something more into it if we don't have Rachel here to defend it it will just be crying in a corner forever (laughs) it deserves to someone has said I can't remember if it's true that it was considered as a first single or did Steve say that I I don't think I don't think I've seen anybody say that anywhere I definitely no, I don't think I've heard that. No. I think the only things we know that were considered for debut and not put on there were, what do you say? Mm-hmm. W Tennessee. Yep. Okay, so the imagery in this song 
I truly believe is some of the best she's written. Yeah. Like it reminds you can just me, see everything. It reminds me so much of like folklore style writing. And it reminds me a lot. The imagery reminds me a lot of Seven. I see what you mean. I do see what you mean. I don't want to see what you mean because I'm not a big fan of Seven, but I do. Oh, Seven is such a good... Seven, Seven was, I think, my sort of little... It wasn't my favorite. It's never been my favorite on Folklore, but it's always been my little underrated little baby. Because in Seven, when she goes sweet tea in the summer, it's yeah. like an exact parallel back to this. And um, sweet tea in the summer. And there was something else. Oh, please pitch me in the trees. I hit my peak at seven feet in the swing over the creek. Yeah. I'm too scared to jump in. Yeah. No, there are, there are a few, there are a few parallels back to this. I think it's such a, yeah, it's such a nice little, and I feel like that would be nice to put on the debut album, a bit like how we've got Casually Cruel and you see the parallel there. Yeah. I feel like it's quite nice to parallel things through her old songs. We love a good parallel on the Swift Legacy parallel. podcast. So if we have a look at the lyrics, tire swings, summer breeze, honeysuckle on the breeze. No. Did I say summer breeze? Tire no. swings, summer dreams, honeysuckle on the breeze, Wilson County Creek. So Wilson County Creek is obviously a real place in Tennessee. So I feel like this is clearly about a specific experience. I love that. That's such a specific detail. That's like an only Taylor Swift with it. Laying in the green grass, I was watching Cloud Pass. Baby, you were watching me. That's such um. Like she thought the sunset was pretty, but I thought she was prettier. Oh no. <laughs> oh my god, it is though. I know what you mean. Everybody's watching her, but she's looking at you in a way. Oh my god, yeah. <gasps> We're doing all the parallels today. Cold barn, truck bed, everything you said, slowly educating me. I never had a lesson so sweet. You know what? The cold barn truck bed reminds me of closest to a cowboy. Yes. I will I will take any link to closest to a cowboy because I'm obsessed with that song. It is a very good song. I mean, just lyrically, this is such, it's just exquisite. There's just no like filler lyrics. Like it's all line after line after line of like poetry. It really is. I mean, still got your laugh, your ghost, your jacket. Guess I loved you way too much. I'm a little smarter. My heart's a little harder, but it's still soft enough to cry. That's so good. I mean, she just, she just how does she pull these things out of her tiny brain that sounded really condescending by tiny I meant young not that she has I mean, she was brain. 16 just mm. do do you have a favorite lyric I feel like this is a really hard question because they're all so good so many um oh my god what's my favorite lyric okay I love the lyric still got your laugh your ghost your jacket guess I loved you way too much I love the use of like three different things there all very different like jacket being a physical thing laugh being almost like a memory and his ghost being like what he's left behind yeah I think that's really clever I also love you can love like a sinner and lose like a winner that's what I was gonna go for well I was gonna go for you can love like a sinner and lose like a winner nothing's shatterproof but then you can crash and burn and come back someone new that reminds me of the song and I I can't think what that song that reminds me of. Like the concept of, no, tell you what it reminds me of. Um, what's that poem that she wrote? Why she disappeared. It reminds oh, me of that. Oh my God, I see that. And there's a line in there. And I can't remember what line it is, but it really reminds me of that line. Oh my God, I haven't read that in so long and I feel like I'm going to cry. No, I know what you're saying. It's such, honestly, that's my favorite of all the poems she's read. But that 
entire poem is just that idea you can crash and burn and come back someone new and it's so cool to see that oh it's not cool but you know that kind of she was 16 when she wrote this and she and the way it's lasted and kind it's of it's probably grown. about 26 so it was probably about a decade later and you still feel the same way about a completely different situation I can't get over that I now you've said it off. I'm like I've just oh my god I've linked it in my mind like every word you were saying like even the con like even the imagery there the words crash came up and like that is very cool all of this all of these parallels are just making me want this on the debut album more so people are going to notice these and be like well, we picked this out first I mean are people going to notice them I don't know do people no because people do people do they do once once they're released but when they're unreleased people don't really seem to care no I know people don't go back far enough to kind of appreciate it and look look for these things this entire song is so good I mean the bridge the bridge is fairly basic it's you know what it's kind of Tim McGraw Yes. It's, I mean, it's not Tim McGraw, but it is kind of Tim McGraw. It's like so that dialogue. Just, yeah. I saw you just the other day. All I could think to say was, hey, how you been? You caught me with that old smile, said it's really been a while. And I still think about back when. It's pretty Tim McGraw. It's very Tim McGraw. We should Tim start McGraw. using that. That's very <laughs> Tim McGraw. Very picture to Bernie. Very <laughs> should have said Noe. I wanted to say that, and I don't know if you've listened to the acoustic demo recently, but I was listening to it today. And it's obviously like a work tape demo. And the harmonies that come in in the background are honestly so good. And it got me thinking, I would love to see this as a collab, but with like a male background vocalist. Oh my God, who would you have on it? I don't know. I'm not well-versed in country artists. Like it would have to be a country guy, a country guy, (laughs) like a country singer. So you're going to have to take over the idea from there. I mean, I will be honest with you. I haven't listened to the acoustic work tape in a really long time. I'm going to play it for you. This is okay. so good. So good. Like, I, I forgot there was an acoustic version of that song. And I found it because I was I thought we were going to record this one today. So I had listened to it because I don't listen to them. They're not on my playlists, <laughs> I have to admit. But, um, and yeah, I, I kind of had a sudden moment where I was like, I think there's an acoustic version of this one. And I listened to it and I forgot that that was even in the background. And it just comes in. I also love that you can hear like the turning of the pages. It's such a like fly on the wall moment. You feel like you're literally there and it's the end of a recording session or the end of a writing session. Sorry. Those like ad libs at the end. Oh, I'm absolutely, I'm, I am shook. I know no one uses that word anymore, but I am shooketh. But you know what pains me is the fact that I feel like she just, like th- you're never going to recreate that or she never would recreate that exactly. It's true. Okay, if I had to choose someone to duet on that, I would go Brett Young. I feel like his voice would really complement it. Okay, I'll take that. Okay. What does he sing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think you will have heard anything, in case you didn't know. Let me just listen to his voice so I can approve. Oh my God, that would, if, okay. His tone is amazing. If she did that and like did that as a collab and had someone doing backing vocals on that and with the ad-libs at the end and the harmonies on the second chorus, that's immediately bumped to one of my top favourite Taylor songs. I'm sorry, like that's so good. This whole episode has taken like a year off my life. I am so like overly stressed and excited about it I'm just like oh my god let's go I need to stop getting getting too invested on her putting these songs on the debut vault because she won't (laughs) and then I'll be sad it's it's gonna be a problem I mean if she doesn't do this we're gonna have to like go to the next tour make petitions we're gonna have to like 
get rep room and we're going to be like, right, girl, we, we have a proposition. This is not a proposition. It's a demand. It's a demand. <laughs> we have I money. Want, I want sweet tea and God's graces and I want Brett Young on it. Like, No, we just need to get to the front of like whatever the B stage is on our next tour. And like when she's like, surprise song, guys, we're like sweet tea and God's graces now. No choice. <laughs> Do it or you die. Do it or die. Yeah, no. I think we'd be escorted out, but you know, you know who we need to get on our side? Pretty Polly Princess. I feel like he has some sway. Yeah. <laughs> so he probably doesn't even know Sweet Tea and God's Graces, depressingly. I know. But let's get Liz Rose on the phone, guys. Oh, I bet Liz Rose loves that song. Like that strikes me as such a Liz Rose song. I know it is a Liz Rose song, which is <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's I know exactly what you like, mean, honestly. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening and don't forget to follow us on social media for exclusive content. And we'll see you again next week with a new episode of the Swift Legacy Podcast.